Thank you for tuning in and welcome to another epic edition of the Jerry Jones Show. Hosted by Jerry Jones, along with his sidekick, Kevin Anderson. Each and every episode is guaranteed to increase your profits and decrease your stress in dentistry. Welcome to the show. Hello, everybody. Jerry Jones here with Jerry Jones Direct, and um, we're going financial today. Uh, I'm really excited. I've got uh, one of the, one of the United States' most authoritative and well-read, intelligent experts on a topic every single one of us should be caring about, and and that is wealth management, financial planning. So, um, with me today is uh, doc, uh, Doctor. I get so I get so used to saying Doctor all the time. We're, you're going to be a doctor today. Is that okay, Roger? Okay, Doctor Jones. Yes, um, we'll all be doctors today. Uh, with me on the line here's uh, Roger Allen Friedman, an author, speaker, wealth manager, and um, Roger and I uh, kind of run in the same circles in a different way. I guess. I mean, we we know a lot of the same people, and um, uh, I'm sure we probably share a lot of the same views and and uh, finance and and financial planning and. Um, and, and I'm excited to move on with this, uh, with, with this call because Roger is one of these guys, not only has he read all the books on financial planning, he's written a few, um, three books. Is that right, Roger? Yes, it is. The three last books? one came out about 10 days ago. Holy crap. Um, what is it? Uh, what, why don't you name your book so we can get these guys all hot and bothered to go to Amazon and get them. You got it. The last one was the mindset of retirement success seven winning strategies to change your life. Because what I found, Jerry, is that there's no lack of information. You know, there's 40,000 books out there on investments. So obviously, it's not a lack of information. It's putting that information to good use. Yeah. Uh, Boy, isn't that the truth. Um, And your other two books are... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Since you asked, fire your retirement planner, you. Advice, advice on how to join the $100,000 retirement club. And that's to derive a minimum of a hundred thousand of income a year from your investments. Right? I like that number. Yes. It's a round number. Yeah. And my first book back in 2014, forging bonds of steel, how to build a successful and lasting relationship with your financial advisor. The second edition of that came out last year, and that's basically the foundational work because so many relationships with advisors are dysfunctional. So Mm -hmm. I wrote this after 30 years and hundreds of relationships to try to show people what makes up a good relationship and what you have to keep a lookout for. Yeah, that's, um, you know, there probably isn't a single topic uh, outside of sex that people get more worked up over than money. Well, well, politics, but politics, well, I just named all three. You're right. Sex, politics, and money. I mean, we we don't have to cover sex on this call because, frankly. You could religion and also. Oh, gosh, yes. I, yeah, Paul, Yeah, I mean, that's like the, the quad mess, right? I mean, if you want to have a good time at the holidays, start talking about any one of those the four things. The four horsemen of the apocalypse. Exactly. And boy, things can turn interesting in a heartbeat. Um, well, we'll avoid religion and, and politics, although I love talking politics. Um, I usually have everybody pissed off in a matter of seconds, but that's- well, I was a political not. science major in college. Me but too. But I've tried to stay away from it for the last 30 years. 
<laughs> well, I spent some time in Washington, D.C. I worked for a U.S. senator. And what I can tell you is they really are all corrupt. That's, that's Mary, I worked for one also. You, which one? <laughs> I'm sure. I worked, uh, I think it was Birch Bayh in the subcommittee on the Constitution, part of the Senate Judiciary Committee. I was an intern back in, oh, maybe 1978 or so. All right. I was, I was still uh, running around in my, um, my tough skin jeans and playing with my Tonka trucks at that point. But, uh, <laughs> you do have a year or two on me. Dang it, Roger. Um, okay. I was back there in 93, 94, 95. And um, yeah, what an interesting place. Uh, well, I stayed in the area because I'm, I'm literally not seven miles from the DC border, but I do not venture to Capitol Hill anymore. It's a, it's a dangerous place, Jerry. It is. Well, I was going to say, I, um, I almost called you part of the swamp. But if you're no, seven no. miles from Capitol Hill, you're actually, you're actually above sea level and you're not part of the swamp monster. <laughs> um, this is going to be fun. I can tell. You know, if you can't have fun with your job and, and joke around with people and, and that sort of thing, uh, go find a new profession. I mean, this is good. Stuff. Absolutely. We're already having a good time. So, look, we've got a lot of questions to get through. We're going to take probably about 45 minutes, maybe 50 minutes. Um, and I've, I've got a couple of questions. And, um, and I, you know, I mean, let's talk first about what's probably on our listeners' minds. And I mean, because it was on mine. Like, you know, I saw. I saw on my calendar today, hey, man, I'm interviewing uh, Roger Allen Friedman, author, speaker, wealth manager. And man, I've got a good question. Uh, one question is, um, what's your crystal ball say about the Dow? I mean, that son of a gun shot through 26.6. Um, it's down to, I think, today at the time we're recording this, it's 24.9. Um, what's your crystal ball saying, man? Is it, is it going to keep well, you know, there, There's so much volatility out there. But what I can tell you is this. Um, the, the, the 500 largest public companies that many people pay attention to, they come out with their earnings each and every quarter. And by now, not quite, but almost 400 of them have reported their fourth quarter of 2017. And what I've read is that the vast majority of them, their earnings have increased. And a lot of them, their earnings have increased more than the expectation. So what we're seeing is that corporate earnings are rising. Corporate earnings are increasing, which bodes well for the market over time. So when you're in a situation where earnings are increasing, but there's a lot of political discord, there's a fear. Well, that what are you talking about, Roger? This country is perfectly politically aligned. Everybody's getting along. There's no issues. And we have a new chairman of the Fed, mm. which always creates some disruption. Yeah. I'm not going to say it's a perfect storm, but there's a confluence of events going on. And as, as you mentioned off camera, there is computer trading now where it's not just mom or pop selling 100 or 200 shares just before the close of the market. The markets actually move hundreds of points in just the span of two minutes. So that's, you know, aided by computer trading, and that's only going to increase. It's not going to decrease. Yeah. So, so you really see a future of volatility, although, you know, it might go up to, you know, 27, 28,000. <laughs> it could conceivably hit that in the next quarter, the way things are going. But you also see an increasing volatility where, um, I guess I go back, it kind of takes me back to Bill Gates's uh, book um, years ago that he came out with, uh, The Speed of Business. And, you know, I mean, if you look at uh, how 
how computers have sped up everything and it's really even sped up our our want for things um you know everything is happening faster the time is compressing so why wouldn't volatility in the market be seen as something more normal you know where it does have thousands you're points. absolutely correct on that i generally have a positive outlook over the next two to four years but with increased volatility and mm -hmm. that creates fear yeah well uncertainty is like the enemy of politics it's the enemy of you know i mean like you know you take the last eight year well you know, eight years of, uh, of Obama. Um, now some liked him, some hated him. Uh, but you knew what you had in the white house. There was little, you could predict, you know, you could predict what he was going to do months in advance. I mean, there was no shock about what he might do because right. he was very transparent about, you know, every, everything about him as far as w what made him up was fairly transparent with the presidency. Um, and I'm sure somebody's going to argue with me about that, but God bless him. Bring it on. Um, but, you know, now we have a, a, an administration who loves to keep us guessing. Um, and so it's hard to know, um, you know, in the, for uh, big business doesn't like uncertainty. Um, one thing that is certain, a tax cut, you know, that's very certain. And I think that's going to bode well over the long term. Um, you know, whether you like it or hate it or whatever your opinion is about it, it doesn't matter, but it's, it's what is there now. There's a framework. And so big business can work within their framework. And so as they move billions of dollars from, you know, one account to another, um, or, or whatever it is they do to, you know, to make money with their money, um, you know, they know what the impact is going to be because they're, you know, it's, there's a framework in place for the next several years. Um, but anyway, right. that, that whole market thing, that's probably not what we need to spend our time on. But I thought I'd open it up with that because it's probably on a lot of folks' mind, you know, what, what should I be expecting from this crazy market? Um, and it sounds like, you know, from your, your thoughts, it, positive outlook next couple of years um, with increased volatility. That's kind of like um, Sunny with a chance of meatballs. No, you're exactly right. You're exactly right. But, you know, I look at it this way. Uh, one of my greatest mentors in this business, a man by the name of uh, Nick Murray, uh, New Yorker from Brooklyn, worked at E.F. Hutton, if you remember that. Oh, yes. Name. Yes. And yep. I worked at E.F. Hutton starting in 1980. Now, what he said was very, very insightful. He said, I don't want the market to go up yet because I'm not done buying. <laughs> yeah. Now think about that for a minute. Yeah. Okay, let's, Jerry, let's just pretend you have a 401k and you're Mr. Average Job Fellow in, let's call it Cincinnati, okay, a place that, you know, is dear to our hearts. So if you're putting in money twice a month into a 401k, and you're doing that month in and month out, and you're buying a selection of mutual funds or index funds, whatever your employer provided for you, on balance, would you rather be buying shares that have been marked up in price or shares that have been marked down in price if you want to accumulate shares over decades? Which would you rather do, Jerry? Hey man, I wanna buy the discount all day long. Thank you very much. And that means that the markets are not sky high. That means there's a discount. Tuna fish is on sale, as they say. <clears throat> Got it. I like that analogy. That's you know, that's a different way to look at things. Um, I you know I always like market resets. I like it when things go down. Uh, real estate, well, except for when it cost me a fortune. But, um, <laughs> but if you're a buyer, <laughs> yeah. you if you're a buyer, <laughs> you love it. <laughs> yeah. 
So, you know, it's like anything you, you, you buy, you buy low and sell high and not the other way around buying high and selling low is no fun. Um, so to me, I mean, uh, I, I think about financial planning. So let's shift gears for a moment and, and go to this, this idea of financial planning. It is such a big 800 pound gorilla. Everybody listening to this knows we all should be doing some level of financial planning. We all should be saving money and we should be planning for the future because at some point the drill gets turned off. Uh, we either die at the chair or we re or we walk away from the chair on our own terms and we live a long life after we retire from the chair. Uh, and it's a fruitful life and it's one that doesn't have money problems, but how, I mean that, and that's such a nice thing to think about, but you know, it, it, it's work to get there. It takes overcoming the urge to spend everything we make now in order to have that safe re retirement. So, um, I don't know. I always see debt as an impediment to savings because if you're, if you're paying out, you know, more in credit card debt, um, you, you have a big house payment because you had to have the biggest house in town. You have a huge practice. So you've got a big practice payment every month, you know, buying the building or, whatever it is, um, you've just bought a couple of new pieces of equipment for $150,000 a piece. You're writing checks left and right. Is there any such thing as good debt? I mean, because I think right. we got to start with where you at financially. I mean, you know, you got a lot of debt. Is there good debt? Well, you know, I always learned, I always learned that good debt was uh, used to put money in your pocket. Whether you spend money to buy a laundromat, whether you are buying some rental properties, whether you're buying machines or technology for your business uh, to help your practice grow more and increase income, that's good debt. You know, bad debt is just, you know, buying a car using your visa or buying a boat using your master charge, for example. <clears throat> yep. So um, this idea of, of good debt, because apparently, uh, I have, a, I have the opinion that uh, any debt is bad debt because it keeps me from being um, nimble. It ties up a certain number of hours that I must work every month in order to pay that debt. Um, it, it, it really robs me of freedom. Um, so Gary, I, I understand what you're saying. And, 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 I, and I see the look in your eyes. I'm looking <laughs> at your face. You don't have to smile. I'm looking at your face as you say this. And, you know, you're talking to someone who has zero debt. I'm 61 years old. You know, I've become successful at what I'm doing. I have zero debt. I live very, very well. But, you know, I don't own a plane, for example. Okay. Uh, but I understand there is good debt. I just choose not to have any. Gotcha. Okay. Um, so let me clarify one thing for our listeners, just so um, I've got this mantra that I kind of beat on every once in a while, uh, Roger. And one of those things is um, if you're going to go into debt, you damn well better have a plan to pay that debt off very quickly. In other words, Absolutely. if you're, you're going to go buy that E4D, that Sarek machine, whatever it is to, to fuel that growth in your practice, it better pencil. You better have a financial plan to get a return on investment. Would you agree? Yes, I would. And it's really no different than a prospect coming into me who's 69 years old and still has a $380,000 mortgage. You know, I'd like to know what's been going on for the last 30 years. Why isn't that mortgage paid? Why isn't he nearly debt free? Right. 
have a plan. So don't go out and buy something that uh, you don't have a plan to pay. Everything you spend in your practice should have an ROI. Every investment you make, you should have an ROI expectation. So hold yourself and your stuff accountable. Um, all right, well, let's jump. Let's jump into this next thing. Um, so you know, we got doctors that are um, younger. You know, uh, they haven't been in practice maybe very long, a couple years, maybe even a couple months. Listening to this, we also have some docs who have been at this game for 35, 40 years. Um, hopefully they've got uh, some savings and if they don't um, a pretty you know a pretty uh, important question uh, to ask is um, you know what what should they be doing I mean is, is this sort of a, um, a you know obviously saving money but what if I'm a doc 25 35 years old and I'm a doc 45 or I'm a doc 60 what in the world should I be doing Roger to save my to save for retirement and, and make this something that is not a painful experience well, you know, Jerry, whether you know it or not, you asked a superb question. And each of the answers for the 25, the 35, and the 60-year-old have one underlying aspect that is absolutely the same for each. And I want them to understand that when it comes to, and I'll just say a financial plan that'll take you to retirement, investments and saving are not the only dimension that they need to look at. For example, the 35-year-old uh, person in a single practice, is he married? Does he have a couple of toddlers at home? Does he have the right type of insurance? Do they have a will? Have they created a trust? Do they have powers of attorney? Do they have liability insurance? These are all questions that are part of a financial plan just as saving for retirement and the proper vehicles to use are important as well. You know, when you're talking about saving for retirement, well, you know, one of the things you may ask yourself, depending on your age, is are you more comfortable with a mutual fund, for example, or with a exchange traded fund or an index fund that might have lower expenses? Ten years ago, barely anyone knew what index funds were. John Bogle of Vanguard fame drummed it into everyone's head that index funds have lower expense ratios than perhaps a higher price mutual fund. So one of the things they want to look at is, are they investing and what about the cost of the vehicles that they're investing in? And if they're a do-it-yourselfer, my biggest fear is that they don't know what questions to ask. Because Jerry, you know, you don't know what you don't know. Yep. So, for example, what do you mean I need a power of attorney? What do you need, mean I need liability insurance if my kids have uh, sleepovers and a six-year-old falls down my stairs and all of a sudden the next-door neighbor is suing me for $3 million because his child is now paralyzed? These are much more important than do I use a simple IRA, a SEP IRA, or a 401k, for example, okay? So, you know, there's, there's multiple dimensions when it comes to financial plans. And if it's of help for your listeners, I created something called the standard of care because one day I was thinking, what are all the things you got to think of? And I came up with 101 issues and I divided you just, you just them up. took that right out of, I mean, that was my next question. Like you just named a whole bunch of things. Now, I'm, as you naming them, I'm going check, 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 check. Uh, you know, I've, hey, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll send it to you and you could make it available to all your listeners. But for example, in 
in real financial planning, 15 issues. Management of your assets, 12 issues. Insurance, 12 issues. And there are about 101 of them that I came up with after some, you know, uh, some big thought and study over over a 30-day period. But the point is that I would want your listeners, your members, to go over each and every one of the points and say, does this apply to me? Okay? You know, if you're married, you know, you don't have to worry, does your spouse have this kind of coverage? You don't have a spouse. Okay? But right. if you got three kids and you have sleepovers, then you better darn well have a liability umbrella that covers your house and your car. Right. Well, okay. I'm seeing why you said um, caution to DIYers, the do-it-yourself. Oh, yeah. Yes. Because, you know, I mean, look, you miss one of these things, you could have $10 million in the bank. And, one, and it's gone. One thing. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Nice $10 million savings you had. It's just been vacuumed up by a really pissed-off attorney. Exactly. And, you know, the thing is, you know, when I started off, Jerry, I was a stockbroker at EF Hutton, okay? Stocks, bonds, mutual funds, that was the game plan. And we really didn't make money unless somebody made a purchase or a sale. That was 30 years ago. Times have changed. So if your members are trying to grow wealth, okay, my best recommendation is get credentialed expertise, okay? Certified financial planner, chartered retirement planning counselor, chartered retirement plans specialist. These are the certifications that I have in my team in Bethesda, Maryland. But the point is that I would not get a home root canal, okay? I would not fix my daughter's broken leg. I love her too much to, to be able to go, oh, I could do that for you, Avery, okay? I want credentialed expertise that knows what they're doing because it's too important to get wrong. So you're not, and I think this is a common, a real common misconception. It's kind of like, and I'll make you a comparison. Um, to most people walk around, I call them walk around Joe's. Joe six pack, Jenny six pack, whatever, right. or Jenny 12, 12 case, you know, a case of wine, whatever you want to, <laughs> whatever, whatever. Um, most walk around folks. Regular average people. Um, right. I don't know if they understand that, you know, going to a general dentist that has no training in implants is a good idea to get their first implant. Right. right. I mean, now if you said that to a to a dentist, they're like, "Well, duh, of course you don't do that. That's the dumbest thing in the world." Why? I they they know that. They live and breathe that. Right. Exactly. But when it comes to saving one one hundredth of one percent of their income retirement, they they think it's a good idea to do it themselves. Never mind the fact that they're going to miss that liability insurance policy. Never mind the fact that they'll never understand why it would be a good idea to have maybe some version of a whole life policy because their situation is best for that. So, you know, I mean, I, the DIY thing to me is really clear. I mean, I, I did a few things on my own once like this <laughs> and it cost me, <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm still looking at my wounds from it. So, well, you know, Jerry, team, you know, <laughs> Jerry, we we met with some prospects last week, and the fellow has three kids, doesn't have a lick of life insurance anywhere. And when I asked him about it, he's like, oh, yeah. I'm like, wow. You know, I I just hope this fella is not a brain surgeon, okay? Because, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. There is that. (laughs) And another person, you know, they had about 65,000 in a 
401k where they had left that job several years ago. I said, how are you invested? She says, I don't know. Here's the statement. And I looked at it, it was half cash, half small company stocks. I said, this is an interesting plan of diversification. And she had no idea why she was that way. She had no clue. Right. Right. Now, Jerry, I'd, I'd, I'd go so far as to say that if you had a $65,000 investment, you would know what it was. Oh, all day long. Yeah. All day long. <laughs> is that a fair statement? It's a very fair statement. And I, and I don't see a lot of docs, you know, with $65,000 in the bank or 650 or six and a half million not knowing what they're invested in. Yet, exactly. Yet, I bet we could find a few, you know. Um, I'm, I'm sure we can. I'm sure we if, can. Some of this has to do with, you know, an individual's, you know, where their focus is at. And um, in our, in, as you put it earlier, in our off-camera uh, conversation, um, before we started, um, you mentioned something along those lines, um, that, it's, that a real important component of wealth uh, is focus. And it's like anything we do in business. It's like anything we do in our personal lives. Focus has got to be part of what you want to accomplish. So uh, take us through sort of that. What, I mean, what do you see successful when you work with a successful client? What, what sort of habits do they have? Because, I mean, habits are important, right? I mean, we want to emulate what successful people do in, in the positive, constructive ways with habits. What are some of these successful habits that you see aside from focus? Or you can even talk about focus. Well, you know, it, it comes down to mindset. And mindset does encompass focus, okay? Um, number one is they know that they have to pay themselves first. Everyone has heard that for years, but not everyone practices it. You know, for example, you know, there are people that spend $180 a month at Starbucks but they're putting nothing in an IRA, a SEP IRA, or a 401k. Uh, I've seen people that have very generous 403b plans where the employer is actually putting in 10%, and they think that because the employer is putting in so much, they are relieved of responsibility, and they don't need to put in anything so they could spend money and not have to save for retirement. But I got news for you. When you're in the bathroom and you look in the mirror, you're coming face to face with the sole person who's responsible for whether you're eating dog food in retirement or a steak. Okay. And at the end of the day, you have to have those habits that will allow you to compound hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars over 10, 20, 30, 40 years of work. Okay, because you know Social Security, well, you know, you may get $32,000 out of it, a couple thousand dollars a month, and 85% of it is taxed. No one's looking forward to Social Security. You have to have the mindset where you are responsible, and you have to build a team around yourself because, just like you said before, you may be great at implants. What do you know about this? You don't have the skill set. That's too big. It's too big to understand all the moving parts. I mean, that's the challenge I see. You know, it's like I talked to my CPA um, back in December. I'm like, so, you know, tax changes coming up. You know, if they pass, what are, what's going to be the ramifications if they don't right. hire? This was November, I guess it was. Um, you know, and some answers he had. Some he didn't, obviously, because he wouldn't know until the actual plan was done. Exactly. Um, 
but you know, for me to go out and do the research and understand it, it, you know, good luck. First of all, he's reading a summary from some really bright guy that wrote it or gal that wrote it. Um, so he's able to somewhat give me the idea of, you know, what's going on. But I mean, it's so, it's so big. It's so vast. The options to save for retirement are really complex. Like you said, it's not stocks, bonds, and mutual funds anymore. It's so much exactly. And Yeah. Um, and, and the important thing is, and, and this is going to run counter to what many people think. You got to build a team around you. That team might be an estate planning attorney, might be a CPA, might be a certified financial planner. But I built a team around me a long time ago because, you know, I was a sole practitioner, Jerry, like many people in my field. And I remember I had a couple of doctors, still have them, uh, and they used to ask, Roger, how are you feeling? Are you okay? And I'd scratch my head and I'm like, why on earth are we having this conversation? Jerry, they were worried about me because they said, if anything happens to you, I got a real problem because you know more about my money than I do. <laughs> and that hit home because if I was hit by a bus, if I had mono, if my child was ill and I was out of work for a while, nobody is monitoring their assets or speaking with them. So I built a team around me. I have the MBA, I have the CFP, have the Chartered Retirement Plan Specialist, because this has grown beyond what one person can know. And Fred, the stockbroker, who used to buy you AT&T at 12 and sell it at 18, he ain't going to get you where you got to go. You know, thank you, Fred, but you need something more now. You need a team around you. Well, this goes to something that everybody listening on the call should understand, you know, um, to practice solo. And I mean solo. So if you want to open up a practice and you want to be the only individual in the building, you don't have an assistant, you don't have a front office person, you don't have an insurance filing specialist, you don't have somebody to help you close cases. So they answer the phones and they do the cleanings, right? Right. I mean, you don't have a hygienist. I mean, it's, it, it's a, it is a tough existence. There's probably like less than a dozen in the United States that practice that way. <laughs> Um, I mean, the rest of them have literally have a team and they find the value in having great, competent people around them. Um, so I think that concept is really, I mean, it, it sinks in. I mean, it makes sense. It makes sense to me. I look at, you know, Jerry Jones Direct. I've got an amazing group of people around me. I couldn't do what we do on my own. There's just no way it's happening. So, um, yeah, I think the team is the, the idea of having a financial team. You know, you want to have the tax ramifications covered. You want to have the legal side covered. You want to have the life insurance side covered. You want to have you know, stocks and bonds and mutual funds and EFTs and all that side covered. I mean, there's all of these things really interlock together. And I think, you know, the more complex our lives become, the wealthier we become, the better off, you know, uh, we become. It doesn't get more simple. It gets more complex. No, it, there, there, there is complexity. And Jerry, I, I, create, I'm, I create a lot of content. So there's something that I created that may help your members. I do have a website. It's called rogeronretirement.com, and Roger is spelled R-O-D-G-E-R. But I created a special report called the Eight Control Factors That Determine Retirement Success, and it is a hefty, comprehensive report, and it covers mindset, which I just wrote an entire book on, asset allocation, inflation, withdrawal rates from your retirement accounts, debt that you were speaking about, retirement strategy, having a team around you, 
longevity, and healthcare expenses. Those eight control factors determine whether they will succeed or fail in retirement. And that's available on the website. I think it could be very helpful for you know a lot of your members. Well, I'm, absolutely. Um, here again, we've got you know dentists are notorious for being information gatherers, um, and I would encourage those you know listening to this to to go get whatever Roger has on his website and and read it. Go get the, go get his books for sure. Um, well, let's get into some maybe some more tactical questions um, before we wrap this up, because um, I know you're you're getting close to your time and uh, as mine as well. So um, maybe some questions along the lines of you know some financial type questions. Um, what mortgage? You, we've mentioned mortgage a couple of times. Um, is it a good idea to pay off for mortgage? Should we pay off for mortgage? Well, you know, obviously everyone is different, but you know, in the last four to five years. Mostly everyone that I know has, you know, redone their mortgage. They've refinanced it. And if you have a mortgage of three and a quarter, three and a half, three and three quarters, I don't know that I would be running to pay off that debt. On the other hand, if it was five and a half or six percent, most certainly I would be probably prepaying it. But everyone is different. But if I could have an investment over the long term, that earns maybe seven or eight percent. I don't mind having a three to three and a half percent mortgage, because the opportunity cost of paying down that debt is rather high. But again, it depends on everyone's circumstance, and everyone is different. My CPA, for example, has no debt whatsoever, no mortgage whatsoever. He paid it off very, very early because, like you, he hates debt. And it is more emotional than financial with him. Even if he was able to get a mortgage at two and seven eighths, he would not get it. Right. Um, okay. I want to make sure everybody understands opportunity cost. Um, because, you know, uh, we often assume everybody knows what we're talking about. And I think there's a real important lesson here with this, what you just said. Um, opportunity cost. Let's take the emotion out of it for a moment because that's one that's pretty unique and not okay. a, maybe not not a huge number of people you know have a real emotional a visceral reaction to debt like <laughs> like your CPA and I do. But um, but talk about the opportunity cost because I, I don't want that point lost. Okay. And, and we need to be look because this is like a return on investment thing and we're looking we want to look at every every dollar going out of our you know of our checking accounts every month. Um, you know, is that the best place? I'm, am I sending that money the best place? Well, you know what? The biggest bang for the buck. Let's just take a very easy example. Let's leave out taxes and everything else just to make the math work. Sure. Let's say you had a mortgage at 3% and you could prepay that mortgage, but it's only a 3% mortgage. On the other hand, you had an investment that you felt very comfortable with that earned 6%. Okay. okay. So, I would much rather earn 6% than prepay something that's costing me 3%. There's a big delta or difference there, okay? Uh -huh. So, you know, I would feel okay carrying debt at 3% knowing I'm making 6% on those other dollars. But if I were to take those dollars out of the 6% investment to pay off the 3%, then I'd have to scratch my head and wonder why I was doing it. But then again, there's a lot of other variables, but that's just the simple way of looking at it. Right. It's kind of like if you have a, a, a credit card that's at 12%, you 
um, and you're you're making three percent in a CD, or I'm sorry, <laughs> one one point seven five percent. Oh no, you're 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 exactly right, and I have seen people put one you know buy buy money market accounts at one percent, and they had fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, eighteen percent Visa or Mastercard, and I'd scratch my head and say, "Tell me what you're doing and why you're doing it." Right. And then it was like crickets. Right. Can't answer. Yeah. Um, let's talk about um, something that maybe, uh, well, this is a real tough, real, this is a tough one. And I know you've been pitted against husband and wife before in, in financial conversations. How do you get spouses on the same page? Or how do you, if you are, you know, if you are trying to get your wife or your husband on the same page as you? How in the world do we get that to happen? Well, it, it, in no way, shape, or form do I want you to think it's easy. But what I try to do, what my team and I try to do, and my partner, Joe Wong, who's a CFP, is masterful at this, much better than I ever will be. We, we basically try to get them to agree on base items. Okay, for example, you know, I'm, where I'd like them to agree on seven, eight, or nine, I want to get agreement on one, two, or three just to get a foundation. So, you know, maybe they have procrastinated and there's no life insurance in place. You know, I would ask, you know, if you were hit by a bus tomorrow on the Beltway um, and your mother ended up taking care of little Johnny, um, you know your mother doesn't have a lot of money to provide for him, wouldn't you want some kind of nest egg to be available for your mother to use to raise him and to educate him? And that has nothing to do with are we going to look at whole life, term life, or variable life. That's just getting a philosophy down that everyone could agree, yes, this is important to me. Right. So it's kind of like baby steps, if you will, Jerry. Right. It's probably rare when you come across the husband and wife that have the same goals the second they walk in, or they agree on everything the second they walk through the door. I imagine it's a little challenging. Well, um, you know, I, I, I've, I've seen where, uh, as interesting as it is, that one chooses a power of attorney uh, to the left and one chooses a power of attorney to the right, and they both thought they had the same one, and they chose different people, and they didn't know until we asked the question. They said, what do you mean your brother? I chose my sister. Right. <laughs> oh, dear me. Yeah. That's good <laughs> I've seen it happen, and I wanted to laugh, but it was too important, and I didn't. <laughs> well, you were laughing inside, I hope. <laughs> yes, I was. I was I'm like, yeah, how could you not know? Yeah. That's a tough one. I mean, yeah, those are, those are some challenging questions. Um, okay, here's a big one, and I think it's probably another one that's on everybody's mind. Um, how much is enough? How do I know enough is enough when I retire? Do I have it all oh, saved? I mean, what, what what's the big number? Is it a million? Is it six million? Is it that? That's 000? the question I was hoping you would ask. Um, but you know, obviously, it depends on. I don't want to say how frugal someone is, but their spending habits. You know, for example, some people. Well, there's one great vacation a year. Other people, there are three or four mini vacations. Some people don't take vacations at all. Some play tennis, they go to an expensive tennis club. Some play golf, they have expensive golf habits. But let me get even more basic. Fidelity did a study back in 2016 
about healthcare costs. And they said that for a 65-year-old couple retiring in 2016, how much money would be needed over their retirement horizon of 20 to 30 years for healthcare expenses? Their number was $260,000, not including long-term care expense, which you know could easily double that number. So if I was thinking that perhaps $500,000 might be needed for healthcare expenses alone, not including just normal retirement expenses or any legacy issues, then I'm thinking the number has to be well into the seven figures, maybe not six million, but I would feel very comfortable two and a half, three and a half, four and a half. And there are people that'll tell me I'm crazy that it's too low. And there are people that'll tell me I'm crazy it's too high. Yeah, yeah. I think it's um, a lot of it probably has to do with uh, what our, what our um, activity rate is, right? So the day we retire, are we going to keep doing what we've done in the past? Are we changing our lifestyle? Are we downsizing? Are we, you know, are we going to be stupid and go into debt? You know, there's all those, all those things. Yeah. Are you buying a Lexus or a Camry? Yeah. Yeah. Retirement. I'm going to, I'm going to buy a Tesla, baby. (laughs) Hey, you could find one of them in space really cheap. I saw that. (laughs) (laughs) You just have to get it back, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Roger, um, I know your time is is up. And I will send you the standard of care checklist that you can make available to everyone if you wish. I will. I, I would love to. It'll be part of um, part of our uh, our uh, uh, package that we send out. Um, so, RogerOnRetirement.com with a D R O D G E R. Um, any other resources at your site you'd recommend that folks pick up aside from well, the eight control factors? Well, uh, I have a special report that is important for people that have retirement accounts that have beneficiaries. I created a report called the Beneficiary Minefield. And what I did is, you know, I hunted around what are the biggest mistakes people make with their IRAs, annuities, life insurance, pension plans. You know, for example, you know, why is the ex-wife the only one smirking at a funeral? Well, she she knows that her ex-husband never changed the beneficiary form on a retirement account, and she's getting a big fat check while the current wife knows nothing about that. Okay. There are huge errors that people make on their beneficiary forms. I wrote a report about it, and I I used Joe Wong, CFP, as as a co-author, and I think we did a great job helping people make better decisions on beneficiaries. So that's something also on RogerOnRetirement.com. Well, I've got a question for you, specifically related to the beneficiary minefield. So yes. I've got, um, uh, so I have a, uh, a Roth IRA, and uh, that the beneficiary of that Roth is my living trust. Uh, my living trust, of course, you know that's all split up. You know, whatever happens, mm-hmm. part of a Q-tip and all these other things that I don't really. Are I, you I Are you married? I am. I'm married with two okay. beautiful children. Yeah. Okay. Um, got it. Is that a, is that a good is that a good thing or a bad thing? Well, it's it's neither good nor bad. It depends on what you and your estate planning attorney, the strategy that you created, and the reasons for that strategy. Because as you know, a Roth 
is one of the most wonderful things Congress ever created, and Congress doesn't create a whole lot of wonderful things. But under current law, that Roth is tax-free forever, which is great. So what you're able to accumulate in there can grow rather large over a period of time if it is tended properly. But I would not second guess what your estate planning attorney created. I would just go back to him and double check the thinking so that you understand why he recommended that you do that. So, so you understand that not that you're relying on someone else. Gotcha. Yep. Okay. Makes sense. Makes but sense. I'll send you a copy of the beneficiary minefield because I think it'll be helpful for you. Perfect. I'd love to get it. <laughs> Roger, a pleasure. Holy smokes. That time went quick. Um, and a lot of great information. I hope our listeners uh, extracted as much value from uh, from our time together as I did. Um, I've got notes. Um, I'm sure everybody else is wondering, holy smokes, I need to take some action. And that really should be the end result of this uh, Dentistry Confidential CD. It's time to actually make some movement, take some action, because every day we waste. Well, I'll tell the story really quick. Yesterday, I was listening to uh, a news report. The lady that won, I think it was the Maine lottery, um, the state of Maine, the, the lottery, or it was some huge, huge, huge pot of money, um, over well over $100 million, I think. Um, she doesn't want to come forward. She already signed the back of her lottery <laughs> ticket. Doesn't want to come forward because as soon as she does, it's public knowledge, and she's afraid for her life. She's actually afraid for her life, and she's afraid of all her relatives that are now going to come out of the woodwork. And, and Jerry, she can get you to protect her. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey, I'm big enough. I could roll over on anybody. Um, so, so the, the, the challenge is, is, you know, what does she do? Well, she doesn't really have a choice at this point. Um, she could have had someone else, you know, she could have uh, taken care of her legal stuff as soon as she found out she had a winning ticket. And, you know, there's ways to have a trust, take responsibility and have somebody else from the trust sign in. It could be a blind trust, all these things. Sure. But she doesn't have, she doesn't have an issue. Uh, she, she doesn't want, you know, it's too late to do any of that stuff. And her attorney's arguing, hey, there needs to be an exception because my client is losing $14,000 a day in interest. $14,000. And of course, it's more important to the attorney than it is to the woman. Oh, amen. <laughs> right? Because <laughs> he wants to get paid. He wants his yes. hands. He wants his mitts and that money. But yes. There's, the, the point of that is there's no time like yesterday to get started. I mean, you got to get this going. I mean, so. Or as Tony Robbins would say, when is now a good time? <laughs> right. Exactly. When is now a good time? So right. you can't wait. Um. So I encourage you. I mean, if you're uh, Roger, are you in, are you uh, licensed in in all fifty states or? I, I'm licensed state? in most of the states, not all, but I can okay. get licensed in any state within a period of thirty six hours. I my team does work with families all across the nation. Cool. Well, uh, if you like uh, if you like Roger's style, you like what he talks about, you like um, what he's saying and his uh, his thoughts reach out. I mean, you know, uh, it can't hurt to uh, do some investigating and find out, you know, what you should be uh, doing. And, uh, but I mean, by all means, just get started, make some movement, start, start saving some money and get a great team put around you. So you can uh, be prepared for that, uh, that day when you either forced to retire or you decide to retire. Jerry, I agree. All right. Roger, thank you for your time. Uh, check out Roger on retirement.com with a D Roger with a D and uh, Roger, thank you very much again, sir. Hey, Jerry Jones here. Thank you for joining me on this edition of the Jerry Jones Radio Show. You've reached the end of this segment. You can always listen in to the next show by visiting jerryjonesdirect.com forward slash podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher, 
or find the show at blogtalkradio.com forward slash Jerry Jones. For more information about Jerry Jones Direct, go to jerryjonesdirect.com or give us a call, 503-339-6000. Our member ambassadors are standing by to assist you. And once again, thank you for listening to The Jerry Jones Radio Show.